DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it's time to welcome back Aaron Roderick to the show, BYU football offensive coordinator. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, I mean, PK and I are just going through the, the normal humdrum drudgery of our lives. You, on the other hand, private jets, red carpets, caviar, I assume. How was the NFL draft? Hey, private jets, the NFL put us on the worst flight itinerary you could ever imagine, okay? It was like, <laughs> it was the trip, the trip home was like the, it, it was just, yeah, it was a day of hell, pure hell. It was like the, they're punishing us after a good time. <laughs> Explain what was going on. They, I don't know, they just put us on a really tough flight itinerary. We flew, we flew on a packed plane from, from, uh, from the draft from Cleveland to Dallas and then Dallas to Salt Lake, both planes were packed. It was just, it was, uh, it was like each, every gate was as far as you could possibly walk at the far reach of the airport. It was just one of those days where we had a really good time. And then the trip home was like, man, is this worth it? Well, I want to know when Zach, uh, told you you were going, did he call you on your, on his Verizon phone while you listened to your, Bose headphones and ate food on your Traeger grill, and this guy's pipping more things. Well, not I was gonna say pipping more things than anybody I know, but that's not true. I know some other guys who pimp <laughs> a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> this guy is taking the capitalism right off the bat. How cool is that? Yeah, his I guess uh, I guess his agents have been pretty aggressive with that. He, he's he's clueless about it, all that. He's just like they're they're just doing it for him. That's what they do, you know. He's, he's, uh, it's funny, all the social media stuff, he's not doing any of that. I don't, I don't, it's all, it's all the, those people that he's hired to, to, uh, take care of it for him. So I'm curious, uh, with the Jets, are they going to have enough around him that we're going to get a fair evaluation of him as an NFL quarterback? Uh, Second-year GM, first-year head coach, there's no track record to go on. I know people want to look at the Jets and say, man, it's been a decade of futility. That's why they have a second-year GM and a first-year head coach. It has been a decade of futility. What kind of, what kind of shot is he going to have with the people around him? I don't know. That that's that that is the million dollar question, you know, because um, I I felt like a big reason why he played so well last year was how much better the play around him was. Um, we we were executing much better last year than we had in years prior, and it obviously it gave him a chance to look good. And I mean, he played great. But it's a lot easier to play well when you're running the ball and you got good receivers that never, you know, just everything. We were third year in the offense, and so those things go hand-in-hand hand for a quarterback for sure. And um, it looked to me like they did a good job in the draft. I, you know, I just have happened to see that, that offensive lineman from USC. I've seen him play a lot. We played against them. Just knew of him from having a lot of close proximity to the Pac-12 and a lot of players in that league. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. That receiver they took from Ole Miss is really good. Love that guy. I've watched him a lot. Um, we've, we've watched a lot of Ole Miss film the last couple of years, or last year, uh, last couple of months, I should say. Um, they're good. That, that guy's really good. So, and then they finished the season strong last year. I think there's still some, there's a solid core there. I think the core is a little better than maybe, maybe you think. Um, 
And then, the, you know, the new staff, you just hope they can get some momentum and put a good team around him. I know there'll, there'll still be some pieces moving in here and there, but it's it's hard to look good if you don't have a good team around you, and um, that is a tough place. It's, this is a this is a tough tough assignment for sure. I'm, we're all really excited for him, but I'm very realistic about the fact that he's up against the really really tough circumstances. So, what we could tell is that three coaches, the Satakis and you from BYU, Coach Care from Corner Canyon, and then John Beck, I think, was there, and pretty much I think. Zach's entire family was there, as far as I could tell. Uh, was that normal? Were you able to figure out? Did did everybody have that many guys representing them with them? And how cool was it that he invited all these people uh, who weren't family who helped him along the way? Yeah, it was really cool. We um, we went to dinner the night night before, and uh, just you know, I think all of us felt just kind of honored to be a part of it. I think um, I was looking around the table while we were eating dinner and just felt like, you know, first of all, I'm really fortunate to coach a player like Zach. Um, you know, he, he definitely made me look good. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there at that table and looking, you know, his dad did a great job just being a good parent. And his dad uh, gave him a lot of – coached him when he was a kid and gave him a lot of opportunities to be a good player. And then he, he played for an awesome high school coach. Um, obviously, Kalani, uh, the chance to play for Kalani, I think, was a big part of Zach's success because Kalani wanted to be great on offense and gave us the, uh, gave us the green light to be super aggressive. And then, and then obviously, I've, uh, I really like John Beck a lot. We have a good relationship, and it was just fun. And Bessie got our receivers playing so well this year. Anyway, it was just fun to be sitting there and thinking how everybody at this table had a small piece in in this, and it was just sort of felt like one of those things where it's like a real privilege to be a part of it and be associated with a player like Zach, who was so great and and yet as good as he is, he he wanted he wanted a little piece of what everybody at that table had to give him. He just he's he's always hungry for more. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. He wants criticism and. Um, it was it was just a good time. It was a good feeling. So it's always interesting when guys go off to the NFL. Obviously, they're really busy, and they've got things to worry about with their career and their team and how things are going. But you do want those guys to stay available to you know help the old alma mater recruit and all that kind of stuff. How does that work? How do you ride that fine line so uh, whatever impact they have on recruiting, they can have it, but you don't bug them and wreck the relationship in the long term too? Um, yeah, there's really not a whole lot that needs to be done directly or can be done, really. It's it's more just the, the fact that, you know, when you have players drafted and you have success, it just tends to breed a little bit more of the same. More players are attracted to that and want to come. And uh, the Utes have been doing it for a long time. They've had a good run of, of draft picks and then, it just kind of continues, and that's we want to build on that momentum and keep it going. But you don't actually need um, you don't actually need much more than you don't need a whole lot of involvement from those guys. You just it's it's more just the momentum and the and the notoriety that comes with it that uh, you know that, that hopefully keeps fueling more of it. I think you know in our case we're always going to sort of get who we get in recruiting in some ways. It's never going to change 
uh, entirely, but it definitely does send a great message to a lot of the you know good players that fit our um, fit our school and fit our program. That hey, you can be a first round draft pick or or a third round draft pick or a sixth round draft pick. You can get drafted and playing here. You don't have to go to you don't have to go to LSU or Clemson or something like that to to be a high draft pick. So one of the things we were discussing is the five guys drafted and seven free agent signings. How much does it validate the 11 and one season? Because it was somewhat controversial because the schedule didn't include any of these power fives and all that. We've been over that a million times. So how much do you think this recent draft with the signings and drafts validates how good the team was last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of give, I've kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just over trying to validate. <laughs> with it's hard to go 11 and one. It's I don't care who you play. It's hard. Uh, you look at all the years that all the years that this market, this the fans in this market were watching WAC or or Mountain West football, right? That that went on for a long, long time. How many 11 and one teams were there in that his, in all those years? There there weren't very many, and and uh, so. Um, or eleven and one or better, you know, not not very many times. And so, anyway, I'm I'm kind of done doing that. But I do. I was really happy for all those guys that got drafted, and and I think that uh, several of the free agents are going to have a great chance to make it. Uh, Matt Bushman, in general, or in specific, I think uh, Bushman had a really devastating injury last year and wasn't able to play. And I think that that injury is such a you know. It's, it's an Achilles injury that's more serious than like an ACL or something. And I think that, um, you know, people are a little hesitant on him, but he's going to the Raiders. And I don't know if you guys know, but John Gruden coach Chad Lewis, he was his tight ends coach. He was actually his position coach with the Eagles. Uh, John Gruden also loved Doug Jolly, who had a great career with the Raiders. Um, I, I know that Gruden sort of has a soft spot for BYU tight ends. And um, I, I think Bushman's going to get a great opportunity there to make that team. And there's no doubt in my mind he's good enough. It's, it's, I don't know where his health is right now. I haven't seen him. I, he did pro day. He did most of the things on pro day and looked good to me. Um, but he's a guy that I think will make it in that league if, um, you know, if, if things go well for him. I, he's got a great chance. Would, wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays a long time. So do you see more NFL talent on the BYU roster and a chance to back it up? I mean, no one can predict five draft picks. It's uh, it's a fine line between being a seventh-rounder and being an undrafted free agent. So not to hold you to a specific number, but do you in general see the depth of potential pros on the roster still? Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of good players. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, that, that's the fun thing about this is, you know, the me- the, the message to – our team and specifically that I've been talking to our offense about is, okay, we lost all these good players. Now everybody thinks we're going to suck. And uh, so, you know, that's the challenge to our current players is, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do about it? And are we going to show up and play or are we going to go back to being seven and six again? And, and that's, that's a fun, that's why you play, man. That's, that's the, that's the competitive nature of this. But um, I like the, raw material that we have to work with right now we've got we've got more offensive linemen that i think are are are, uh gonna just pick up where we left off and we've got some good skill players and 
I like the pool of quarterbacks, and, and you know, we're going to be good on defense again. It's just a little bit different team, but um, still a lot of good players returning. Our running backs both back. So there's there's some good players there that, you know, if, if they go out and do it on the field, then that's where the NFL opportunities come from. You know, the, the last team that had five draft picks went 12-2. and two. That was the, two, the 2001 team was 12-2. and two. And it's no no surprise that the following spring in that draft, five guys get drafted and several more went as free agents. And several of those guys had, had really good pro careers. Um, Doug Jolly was one of them that I just mentioned. You know, there was there were a couple other guys on that on that team that had had good pro careers. And um, so the opportunities usually come from winning a lot of games. And that's that's what I want our team focused on right now is win games and then then the cream will rise to the top, and that's how guys get chances at the next level. Is there a depth chart at quarterback? Um, not exactly, no. I, I, it's still open. Um, the Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, we're going to battle. Those three guys are going to battle in fall camp. Um, Sol J is in the mix, uh, you know, I haven't completely eliminated him yet, but he's just a just a notch behind those other three guys right now. Um, still think he has a lot of promise in the future. He's a very dynamic athlete. He's just, um, but we're going to go into fall camp with those three guys initially, and then we'll we'll work we'll work pretty quickly to narrow that down. I, I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to how I'm going to create the competition. I, I've got a good plan for that. I've already communicated clearly with our defense and with Kalani about um, how we're going to get that done and mostly just involves playing a little bit more 11-on-11 football than you usually would in the early parts of camp. But I think I think our, with our system being as well-established offensively and defensively, I think we can get to that pretty quickly. So obviously the O line is taking a hit here with the draft and the uh, the undrafted free agents and all that. There was clearly a lot of talent there. Do you feel like you not only have the high end talent but the the depth to handle what you're about to face? Yeah, you know depth is always a is always the biggest question for us. At least it has been in this uh, independence you know era of playing P five teams. We we usually can field a. Uh, a starting 11 on each side of the ball that can play with, you know, with any of the teams on our schedule. And then, you know, the story of a couple of the years where we, you know, didn't finish like we wanted to was we get a little banged up and sometimes the backup guys aren't quite, quite there yet. I think this team is, is deep. Um, you know, you mentioned offensive line, the, you know, we're going to be starting some guys this year that played a ton last year, whether they were listed as starters or not, we were, we went 10 deep last year, and we had so many big wins that those guys got to play a lot. And some of them played a lot anyway. Uh, you know, Blake Blake Freeland, for example, he started games for the last two years for us, and he's going to take over at left tackle for Brady. Um, he's six foot nine, and has started. He's a super athlete. He was state champ in the shot put and was a good basketball player. Um, He's going to play left tackle, and he's played a lot of games for us the last year, so I don't really even view him as a new guy, even though he's taken over for a third-round draft pick. And and uh, Harris LaChance is going to start at right tackle for us, and 
same thing. He's played a lot of football the last couple of years, and he's six foot eight and also super athletic. Um, I, I expect a lot from both of those guys, and technically they weren't starters last year. So um, they started on and off over the last two years, but they weren't every game guys like Brady and and uh, Chandon Herring, you know. But and then Joe Tukuafu is another one. I mean, he started about five games last year. He, I, I I expect him to find a way to be a starter this year. And um, if he's not, it's because it's because Connor Pay beat him out. And Connor Pay is another one who wasn't considered a starter last year, but played played in a lot of games and has a really bright future as well. So I'm uh, really confident about the offensive line, even though even though we just lost three guys in the NFL. I think I expect there to be no drop off. And um, you know, with our running backs as good as they are, I think we should be able to pick right up where we left off, at least in that in that part of our offense. We should be solid. How does it work with the Nakua brothers? I don't know that they're f- enrolled in school. What are you allowed to do as far as interaction with them? Yeah, they can start. They So they're, they're starting up with us here shortly. Um, some with this spring semester coming up, they can start, and they can start working out with our team. So okay. they will be getting going here real short, real soon. So when you look at the schedule, I'm curious how much you can really figure out about these teams between players who may have opted out, between freshmen who uh, didn't really get a chance to shine, who will now be sophomores making an impact. You always have newcomers who can make an impact with the transfer portal. As far as opponents, are you flying blind more than ever? A little bit, especially with Arizona, our first opponent. um, They had a coaching change. And my understanding, so first of all, with the coaching change, we're watching Michigan film because the defensive coordinator came from Michigan. So we're, we're learning the scheme by watching Michigan film. We're trying to learn the personnel by watching Arizona film. But, you know, as you watch the film, it's like, well, that guy's not there anymore. That guy's not there anymore. This guy transferred. So it's kind of hard. You're trying to sort out who's actually still playing on there for them, who's not. And then... Uh, they've gotten a number of transfers in. They got a DB from Notre Dame. They got another one, I can't remember from where, uh, that we were just talking about the other day. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, who's this guy and where is he likely to play in this scheme, in this Michigan scheme? It's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a guessing game a little bit, and I think our, our uh, defense is kind of in the same boat because uh, the head coach was in the NFL last year. He's, he's been in college football, and he was at UCLA not that long ago, but – a little bit of a guessing game what they're going to do so yeah there's there's a lot to it there um and there's more turnover than ever before in college football and it's uh it's time to just stop complaining about it and just embrace it and deal with it because it's how it is and so you can't have any excuses for it and can't say oh we don't know what's going to happen or who we're going to have or who they're going to have you just got to get ready to play and um so we're mostly focused on ourselves and just making sure we're squared away and we know what we're doing. And then we'll do the best we can to be ready for, for Arizona. But the answer, that was a long, long answer. But, yeah, it's, it's an issue. As I understand it, uh, recruiting gets back to normal in June. Is everybody going to have a ton of guys on campus? Is that how it's going to work? I think so, yeah. It seems like it. You know, we're still not able to go back out on the road, so – Normally, the month of May would just be constant travel for college coaches. You'd be out the whole month pretty much. 
um, just getting all around the country trying to see your prospects, uh, evaluate them. And then, but they're, they're still not allowing that, but what they are allowing in June, they're allowing guys to visit your campus. And so with, uh, you know, shoot a whole year of nothing, I think pretty much every, every school is going to have guys visiting almost every day in June. It's going to be, it's going to be a busy month for sure, but we're really looking forward to it. I, I think every college coach is looking forward to that because, um, recruiting can become a grind and it's, it's, um, you know, some in some ways it's my least favorite part of the job, but in other ways I, you know, I really enjoy, I enjoy the process of trying to project what a young guy is going to be in several years. And um, sometimes you get it wrong, sometimes you get it right, but I, I like that going through that process. And um, I really felt for the kid, the high school guys in these last couple classes who didn't get the chance to get recruited the normal way. I think there's a lot of good players that are getting overlooked or – uh, maybe not ending up uh, at the level that they belong, and so um, I, I just I'm happy for the these younger classes that are coming up now. Hopefully, we can get back to normal for them, and they can have more opportunities. Well, hey, Rod, we appreciate a little bit of time, and uh, I can tell you because I had family in Cleveland for a while. Not anymore. There's no easy way to fly in and out of Cleveland. There's no directs. We get spoiled in Salt Lake. We get directs everywhere. It just doesn't happen. I learned that the hard way. Yeah, I didn't know. Dallas, that's rough, though. That's way out of the way. Usually you just get to fly to Detroit or something. Cincinnati, maybe. We went through through Chicago on the way there and Dallas on the way home. That was a treat. (laughs) But all worth it, though. We had a great time. It was fun. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, look forward to talking to you as we get closer to the season. Yeah, guys. Go Jazz. See ya. Aaron Roderick, BYU football offensive coordinator. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed next. That is on the way. Also, your feedback, hit us up on Twitter at David DJ James, on Facebook at DJ and PK, and grab the phone, use, the, use our app, use the open mic feature, and send us your takes. Question of the day, A-Rod's done validating the past season, but... Did the five draft picks validate this BYU team this past season in your mind? Hit us up on the app, on the open mic feature. Time to welcome in Gabe Gomez, general manager of Syringa Networks. And Gabe, there's a lot going on with IT these days, remote workforce, and also businesses looking to cut costs and office space. I, I think this trend you've seen the last year, it's, it's going to keep rolling, isn't it? Yeah, it sure seems to be the the case. We we do definitely see uh, uh, more people, more businesses rather, um, really settling in on this uh, remote workforce or a hybrid workforce model, which kind of de-emphasizes office space. And so that's Ringa Networks. Where we're definitely uh, here to help consult and uh, prepare business clients out there as to how to go about doing this uh, with the, with the best internet access, the best type of connectivity. Uh, the most secure networking uh, available as well. You know, I think we all have experiences that technology is awesome until it isn't, and when it isn't, it's really frustrating. So you, to handle that, you've got uh, you got local folks available to help, and you got help around the clock, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's one of the big standouts at Syringa Networks is that uh, we don't leave our, our clients uh, just out, out, on the, out on the whim or have to, you know, look at some website to get answers. Uh, we have... Uh, 
fully trained engineers and technicians and sales professionals and consultants here locally available to work with our clients, uh, work with the customers interested in in uh, talking and discussing about how they can go about uh, doing any aspect of IT or telecommunications. Um, all they have to do is, is call our local number or go to our website, and uh, you know they can chat with us there or they can send us text messages. We're available really by any uh, seven by by twenty four by three sixty five to help our our clients and customers interested in in transitioning their their networks over to to a more secure, stable platform. And to get a hold of you guys, uh, there's a couple ways to do it. Better by phone, online, or does it matter? It really doesn't matter. They're all manned by uh, by highly trained professionals. Uh, certainly, uh, you know we, we we enjoy talking to our clients uh, directly, so we we, we love uh, getting phone calls, uh, but. Uh, Really, any method that uh, our, our customers or uh, prospects, uh, are, you know, are comfortable with, we're, we're, we're there. You can reach them online at SoringaNetworks.net or call 385-420-7881. 385-420-7881. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. In my eyes, he's the greatest to ever do it. I don't, I don't care about Super Bowls or, or whatnot, but uh, we, we want him back here. That's all well and good, Matt, but what if he doesn't want to be back here? Yeah, I know. And and I, I can't even take my brain to that, that spot right now. So um, I just want to do everything in my power to to ensure that that doesn't happen. That's Matt LaFleur, Packers coach on Aaron Rodgers' greatness and wanting Aaron back in a Green Bay uniform. Of course, all the... Stories around the draft were that Aaron is really unhappy in Green Bay. So that saga continues on. You know what else continues on? The countdown to Mother's Day. Mother's Day is Sunday. You can get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift for Mother's Day. Miki Couture, Sandy and her staff, coming through with a 50% discount for Zone listeners. All you have to do to, men- all you have to, do to get half off is mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at minkycouture.com. That's promo code ZONE50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, PK, we've had a lot of news in this show. We've had a little news break here uh, just during the last hour. The Utes have a home-and-home with Wisconsin going to Camp Randall in 2028 and a home game in 2033. Mark Harlan, Utah AD, tweeting out, calling all 6- to 11-year-olds. Make sure you sign up for Pee Wee football <laughs> because we need you to help us beat the Badgers in a few years. Let's go! All caps, exclamation point. Uh, that's a funny tweet, then. I didn't see that, but Mark Harlan, that is a good one because in 2020, uh, 2033, did you say? Well, yeah, 2033 is the home game. So what is that? Uh, 12, 12 years, years out. Yeah, great. Well, obviously. <laughs> 
that'll be uh, who knows what's going to happen in 2023. I mean, Shanahan couldn't guarantee we'd be alive three days from now, <laughs> let alone 13, 13 years from now. So, uh, sure, I think that's awesome. I think Utah should be doing that type of stuff. They're a big-time program that puts a lot of guys in the NFL and they're not the upper tier, but really the upper tiers, maybe five teams. But they're right there in the next tier. And by 2033, who's to say that they can't be, really, we don't even need to wait that long to think that maybe they could be in that situation where they are. Who knows? Knocking on the door of a playoff. <laughs> we but, know. 2033, not only is Kyle Whittingham not going to be coaching the team in 2033, how old would Kyle be in 2033? What does that put him, early to mid-70s? Well, it'll be 62 in November, so... so 74. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He'd be 73 when they play the game. I assume it's a September date. I didn't look for him, but... So that'd be 73. September 16th. So not only is Kyle probably not going to be the coach then, whoever succeeds Kyle may not be the coach then. Uh, may not. You hope that it is, though, because that means that person's having success. Right. And continuity in the coaching staff goes a long, long way towards uh, having success. Those are they, they go hand in hand. Uh, so uh, I don't know what's going to be ahead. Obviously, I don't even know in 2028. Uh, my guess is that Kyle wouldn't be coaching in 2028 when they go to Camp Randall. But the, I think it's the point being for Utah is they're a big time program and they should be playing big time programs themselves. And I think that if it were me, I think that they should be. You keep talking about wanting to have a rivalry with SC. Well, then you very well could be able to play a BYU and a big-time opponent in the same season. Because if you want to be on the same level as SC, SC does it. SC does it every freaking year. So, And you like to think that you're close to them and you've got this budding rivalry. Well, they need to act like it and stop saying that, well, just because we play a Power 5 program, we can't play BYU. If you don't want to play BYU, that's fine. But don't say... You can't play them because you're playing another Power 5 program. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to play them. Uh, my life's going to go on just as well with or without the game. It doesn't. It's not that big of a deal to me. It's a football game. Who cares? But if you want to be of the line of SC, well, SC does it every single year because they play Notre Dame every year, and they're always playing at least one other Power 5, if not two other Power 5s. We've seen them schedule uh, Texas and Alabama and whoever yeah. else. I mean, they're, USC's all about it. They don't care. If anything, they overschedule. Anything. Same thing with Stanford. Yeah. Well, Stanford had that year that uh, they played Notre Dame and Northwestern, and Northwestern got them in the opener, and they won the conference, and they were 11-2 and two and got left out of the playoff because they took on such a challenging schedule. Well, if you want to be – if you think you're equal to those teams, then prove it in your scheduling. Don't play BYU. That's fine. But don't tell me you can't play them because you're playing Florida. That doesn't make any sense to me. Your rivalry with BYU is certainly no bigger than SC's rivalry with Notre Dame. I mean, come on. This year, it's Notre Dame, BYU, and San Jose State for USC. And San Jose, that may sound like a laugher, but San Jose looked awfully good last year. SC is one of, I think, three programs who have still not ever played, played an FCS yeah, team. They haven't. Yeah, I think their crosstown rival is the other one, too, isn't it? UCLA is one of them, and I think Notre Dame's the other. And there you go. So, 
Well, I don't have any problem playing that that game. So many. If Alabama does it, sure. You can do it. Yeah, you, if Alabama's going to do it, you might so, as well. I just don't like the explanation. Well, we're playing Florida, so we can't play BYU. That that doesn't sit with me. You've beaten them nine times in a row. Why in the hell can't you play them? All right, the other stuff we've been talking about during this show, we talked BYU football to the five draft picks. Validate the 11-1 record. And the answer to that, judging by our social medias, uh, if you're a BYU fan, absolutely. And if you're a Utah fan, absolutely not. It's simply the rivalry, PK. Seems pretty obvious that 11-1 – uh, is a really good record. You can throw the Coastal Carolina loss at them, but you travel across the country on two or three days uh, practice time. You didn't even get the full week. And I, I think the game that stands out for me with, uh, with BYU this year is who smokes Boise State like that? Boise State hasn't lost five games like that in 15 years. Washington got them in a bowl game, and I think they got them one other time. And I think Georgia got them pretty good once down at Georgia in an opener. But to go to Boise State and win like that, you're a really good team. Nobody does that to the Broncos. Yeah, that's because you you're on it. this side of the country and your Aztecs play them. But people on the other side of the country would say Central Florida. Uh, so I'm I'm with a Rod. I don't think this the draft validated this season because I don't think the season needed validation. The the season spoke for himself, and I'm glad he said he's over it because I'm over it too. It, the season was great, and you want to knock it. Knock it all you all you want, but NFL people thought if Zach Wilson didn't go two, he was going to go three. If he didn't go three, he was going to go four, and you get the point. Five quarterbacks in the first half of the first round. He was always going to be one of them, regardless. And he's going to. And, and if you want to argue with him, just call him on the Verizon, and maybe you can listen to some tunes on your Bose headphones while you eat food off the Trader <laughs> Grill, while you do this, while you do that. Man. Bad guy. <laughs> hey, he's got an aggressive agent, A-Rod told us. He was really quite quite dismissive. Just oh, kind boy. of a, he doesn't know anything about this. This is his agent. This is why he hired these guys. That guy's aggressive. Great. Zach's but, onto the football. Uh, you still got to sign off on it. You do. And if you, if you go on his social media, partnered with, and if somebody else is doing it, it's still his name. And most importantly, he's getting the cash. Yeah, it's also and then and I think that's part of the deal to what we've been hearing local guys say. Trevor Riley, I think it was last summer, maybe it was the summer before, probably the summer before. Yeah, it would have been summer before because last summer was COVID, where he said, "Man, if you want to live in a community, play in that community, and you can cash in in that community." And Zach Wilson will go down as a local legend. BYU fans will always flock to him. Always. Yeah. And we've got people wanting to know about his church affiliation and what some guys asking you about it. Like, I don't know. And I don't give a crap, man. Seems like a good kid. That's all that matters. Yawk would know. Yawk would like to interrupt uh, NFL talk because there is Laker news. According to Sham Sharania, uh, Dennis Schroeder is going to be out for 10 to 14 days due to protocols, a.k.a. COVID. 
Co- co- so another guy for the Lakers to overcome if they're going to. Well, if LeBron and AD get it together, they ought to be able to carry it for 10 to 14 days. But clearly, they had Steve Cleveland on, and they've not gotten it together, and they're not looking good. LeBron's first two games back. They lost to Sacramento right after Sacramento gave up 154 points to the Jazz, and they turned around and lost to Toronto at home. Actually started well, had a nice little lead in the game, and suddenly we're down by 20. I know, so that, that game, was amazing. That game, it was a 30-point swing. They were up 8, and they were down 22. Voila. And Laker Twitter was losing its mind. Oh, I lost my mind. I lost my religion and my mind, along with one other thing several years ago. But uh, I'm still not going to count them out until I see LeBron with four losses. I mean, it's not going well right now, but it doesn't really need to go well right now because they weren't going to get the best record. They weren't even going to get close to it. Uh, and if they should get in that play-in game, that would just be awesome. With LeBron coming out, whoever created that shiz should be fired. <laughs> if the Lakers are in that 7-8 game and they lose awesome, it, it, and they play Golden State, who wins the 9-10 game, not only will the person who came up with it not get fired, they get will get promoted and get a raise. Steph Curry, LeBron James, one game, winner take all, winners in the playoff, losers done. Yeah, few people will be sitting down in front of a TV to watch that game. Sunday afternoon at the one thirty. Uh, no, it'll be a weeknight game. I assume that'll be TNT on a Thursday night. When, so when does that start? I think those things. Well, I think they're offset east and west. I think one's going to run Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The other's going to run uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They they may so be holding right off on announcing another, the dates huh? to see how much travel. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's it's the first time they've done it, so we're trying to figure it out. Uh, but I would assume they'd offset them for TV. Get as many awesome prime oh, TV yeah, yeah, windows yeah, no as question. possible. Well, that one, they'd redo the whole next bracket, put it on Sunday. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> freeze the playoffs! We got LeBron and Steph, winner Start take Start them on Monday. <laughs> You're not going to hardly get two bigger names than that. In, all, in all seriousness, you know, they were talking about, hey, we've got the Stars on the West Coast, and we can't have them play them all these you know, games that start at 10.30 on the East Coast, they do not want to start Steph and LeBron at 10.30 on the East Coast. I don't know what they're going to do to massage that as far as, you know, one game on a night and give the East Coast the night off, the Eastern playoff the night off. But they'll do something because if it really came to that, and it probably won't, that's just too juicy. But if it did come to that, even though it won't, that would be awesome. Yeah, it would be. I mean, the Lakers may not even fall to seven. They're in a three-way tie for five, yeah, six, know. seven. They could still be the five seed. So right. the only thing we know is there's a big break between four and five. That's that's the divide that can't be jumped. But the uh, Clippers and Nuggets aren't that far behind the Jazz if the Jazz don't get their guys back and and you know struggle. This is a a winnable game tonight, and they need to get it the same way they needed to get that Toronto game, and we're able to pull it off Saturday. Uh huh. All right, DJ and PK. That's a lot of what we've been talking about. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for the feedback. Everything you have to say about today's show. Josh says, not sure PK is thinking clearly to say seating spots one or two don't really matter. Game seven in Phoenix, LA, LA, or Denver, monumentally different than game seven played in Utah. Come on, man. You know the Jazz played better than they actually are at home. Okay, but if you're one or two and you don't play Phoenix in the conference final, then you don't have a game seven with Phoenix that matters. Yeah, hence I'm not sure that it really matters. Sure, in that scenario it does matter, but that's a long way off. 
Do we really think the Suns and the Jazz are going to meet in the conference final? There are uh, so and, many possibilities that at this moment I view as all endless. equally probable. Yeah, they really, well. <laughs> They're not endless. Endless. Okay, you tell the Jazz right now, you got game seven to go to the NBA finals in Phoenix. Take it. No, yes. Oh, they, they would hit fast forward and take it. Sign Absolutely on the bottom line. They would. There's so many things that could go wrong in the month. Well, really five and a half weeks leading up to that game. My cognitive thinking has never been clearer. Ooh, cognitive. That's a three. I don't even word. know what it means. I man. think it you just, do. I'm not I'm not totally sure. I can spell it. I'm pretty decent spelling. But definitions, I mean, look at words. They morph meanings. Who knows? They I mean, do. You just told me brace means two goals. I thought brace is something you put on your knee. I've done that. I have put a brace on my knee, yes. It has multiple meanings. We heard the word uh, notoriety used incorrectly this morning. I also heard someone drop a very unique, and I thought you flinched both times, but you let it go. Good work by you. Well, unique is unique, and notoriety is from the negative. Right, and it was used as a positive, but what are you going to do? Well, they, they mean publicity. Yes. Attention, those types of things. Clint says, so as Alema would say, it's not the coach that follows the coach, but the coach that follows the coach that follows the coach. Hashtag go future youths, hashtag peewee football. Clint reacting to the thought that Kyle Whittingham will not be coaching, well, he may not coach one of those Wisconsin games. He won't coach both of them, we'd think. And maybe even the guy who follows him won't. So don't follow the man, follow the guy who follows the man. Yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I mean, uh, Ryan Day's fine at, at uh, Urban Meyer at Ohio well, State. Kyle, Kyle followed Urban. That worked out. That was uh, not an easy an act to follow. That's an example yeah. right there. That yes. was not an easy act to follow. <laughs> oh, no. 22 no. and 2, two conference titles. Hey, good luck, new guy. <laughs> right man for the job, though, that's for sure. Well, the four year arc that landed him in the Sugar Bowl and beat Alabama, and that was. Uh, uh, Kyle was basically a made man at that point. Oh, he's going to go down as the winningest coach in Utah football history, is he not? I believe he is, yeah. Uh, we got Jazz fans uh, <laughs> hanging on. Clint Clint listened to, uh, listened to me talk to Steve Cleveland and said, uh, DJ just asked Steve what's known as a Bernardino question. I said, where are you? Which seat are you hanging on to? And he said, the one seat of Reno. Steve seemed to be open to the one seat. I got to admit, yeah, I was yeah, kind of yeah. giving up on that, but he was very much open to it. And I think he's also thinking that Donovan's back in another week. I don't know when Mitchell is coming back. Uh, my, my concern right now is that he be healthy for the postseason and him along with Conley. That's my overriding number one concern. And I've sort of conditioned myself right now that these guys aren't going to be back. And so if they do come back, then it's a bonus. I'm far more, I mean, 99% concerned that when the opening tip comes for game one, that they can do all the things that they're capable of doing without having it somewhere on their mind about this injury or whatever injury it is that they both have. They have different injuries, obviously. That's, that's where I'm at. If they come back sooner, great. Love it. All right, I'm going to retweet this right now, PK. Uh, Jetpacks. People zooming around. The British Royal Navy, the uh, British Marines putting this video out. Do you want a jetpack? Do you want to be able to zoom around in the sky straight out of the Jetsons? Well, I don't want to go too high or too fast. (laughs) But you wouldn't mind hovering? 
Yeah. Ten miles an hour around the neighborhood, just at the treetops. Uh, yeah, you know, if I need to get somewhere, get down to Provo for a practice or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Swoop low over South Mountain, disappear yeah. into Utah County. Yeah. All right, I just retweeted that. You can check that video out. It's fun. Your commute could look a lot different. A commute? What's a commute? Everybody works from home. What are you talking about, Grandpa? What is this commute thing you speak of? All right, time to welcome in a guy who is uh, making commutes unnecessary. Syringa Network's general manager, Gabe Gomez. And Gabe, I suppose it's been nonstop for you the last year, the last 13 months here, as uh, businesses work on making their remote employees more efficient. Yeah, that that is a, a true story there for sure. You know, um, it's one of the things that uh, we've been extremely busy working on is helping our clients uh, transition uh, folks, uh, their employees, uh, to work from home or to become hybrid workers, helping them with the whatever kind of IT collaborative solutions that they might need for voice or for video conferencing, so that they can have their employees uh, just as productive as if they were in the same building. So. Making people available around the clock, because, you know, some of us, technology goes wrong and we're pretty frustrated. We need help right away, and we need real live people. Yeah, we totally get that. I mean, uh, most of our clients, their day job isn't doing IT services. They do other things, and so that's where we uh, really come into into the picture. We have highly trained engineers and professional technicians that are available around the clock to uh, help our clients with whatever technical support type issues that they may have or if they're looking to do something different, uh, we can certainly uh, consult with them and help them to uh, uh, to see what other options they might have for telecommunications, internet access, uh, IT services, uh, collaboration type services, those sorts of things. It also seems like the need to upgrade security is never ending. Oh, that is that is very true. Uh, today, that's uh, you know one of the uh, the big uh, hot buttons that most uh, companies have is how do we secure our data with employees all over the place. How do we make uh, make it our data safe? And uh, one of the things that the, that we do help our clients with is uh, is just that is IT security best practices, those sorts of things. All right, Gabe Gomez, GM, Syringa Networks. You can give him a call 385-420-7881, 385-420-7881, or hit him up at syringanetworks.net. Syringanetworks.net. Gabe, thanks a lot. Thank you all, and thanks for joining us. Scotty and Hands are coming up next.